When I believe that what Jesus said is important, and I believe that people are important to Jesus, then I'm willing to take more action. And that's where it's got to start. Do you realize that there are actually almost one-third of the world's population that has not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today we're going to ask that question of Steve Johnson, the head of the uh, Alliance for the Unreached. And many people won't realize since that Israel and uh, large parts of the Middle East have been exposed to the gospel for over 2,000 years now, that there are places in this region that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as many of our listeners will know, you know that our conviction is to bring the gospel to every Jew and Gentile in the land as we bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. Uh, So I'm pleased today uh, to welcome to the Epicenter Broadcast uh, booth uh, our friend and uh, ministry colleague, uh, Steve Johnson. Steve is the executive director of the Alliance for the Unreached. And Steve, it's great to have you with us today. Carl, it is so good to be with you. I know we're kindred spirits and we share a lot of our heart and passion for those who have never heard the gospel, particularly in that region of the world where we know that the gospel in some respects is growing and exploding. And yet in the midst of that, there are still literally billions of people who have little, if any, access to the gospel. And in today's world of mass communication, that's pretty hard to imagine. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, when I think, uh, you know, that you know, this ministry is as uh, as young, if you will, as we are, and as small as we are, reaching so many people as we are, there are so many hundreds of millions, and even you said billions, uh, of people who have not yet been exposed to the gospel, and we would consider them unreached with that terminology. And uh, I want I want to ask you a lot of questions today, because the nice part of a podcast format is we can take as much time as we want on all of these subjects. And, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to, you know, probe a little bit about what is the, the Alliance for the Unreached? Who's, who's standing with you uh, in that endeavor? And, and then ultimately, what are you, what are you guys working towards? But I want to start with you. I want to start for people to get to know who you are and uh, and a little bit of your story. How did you come to lead this organization, and uh, how has your ministry journey taken place? Well, Carl, I'm kind of the boring part of the story, but I'll share you a little bit of the history. <laughs> we we go back to about 2014, and I worked for a ministry that used to be known more commonly as HCJB Global. It was a ministry founded in Ecuador. Their vision was to reach the world through shortwave radio back as early as the 1920s. And that ministry has existed to do that ever since. And now they focus on local radio planting. And I was serving with that organization and a colleague of mine and I had a burden. And the burden was this. There are literally dozens of organizations that focus on reaching those who have little, if any, access to the gospel. And it's very interesting because back in the 1900s, that meant places like Latin America, Sub-Saharan Africa, parts of East Asia. 
places in the global South that right now have access to the gospel. But that dynamic is changing radically in the 21st century. Mm. And those people now have largely Bible translations in their languages. There are missionaries serving among them. So the gospel is making inroads into parts of the global South. The flip side to that is there are also dozens of ministries that are working in places that we call gospel resistant. And you as mm. the Joshua Fund, you, you understand that. And those are the places where, because of worldview, because of spiritual resistance, linguistic issues, where the gospel still hasn't made the kind of progress in certain areas that we would like for it to make. And you had mentioned earlier as we opened the broadcast right now that there are three billion, that's billion with a capital B, who have never met personally a Christian. They don't have a church. They may not have a Bible translation that's accessible in their language. <laughs> They've never personally met a Christian, so they don't have any concept of who the biblical Christ is. The other challenge that we face in that is that many of those people, as I mentioned, are located in regions that are gospel-resistant. So yeah. that's problem number one. And so back in 2015, there were a number of us that said, you know what, we will be stronger together than we are apart. And we decided that we wanted to form a coalition of mm -hmm. any organization that was a part of reaching those who had limited access to the gospel. And so mm -hmm. organizations like Operation Mobilization, Door International, Joshua sure. Project, uh, you know, the Wycliffe Bible Translators, the list goes on. And, and we started with seven founding members, and today we have more than 70. And so that's a testimony that in seven or eight short years that the community of ministries working to reach the unreached has really decided we want to come together and be a voice, um, not so much for our work that we're doing in the field. We all do that, mm -hmm. which leads to mm -hmm. problem number two. Problem number two is not only are there three billion who haven't heard the gospel, problem number two is that within the North American church, there's a growing level of apathy and ignorance toward the cause of those who haven't heard the gospel. And I think mm. there's some reasons for that, but those are the two areas that we as the Alliance for the Unreached are trying to solve by bringing together. You hit the nail on the head. Those things are extremely important to recognize those as obstacles to the gospel. And to put a fine point on it, you know, where where the Joshua Fund works in, in Israel and the greater Middle East, the neighboring countries and, and the Gulf region, there are communities, um, I mean, literally in the city of Jerusalem, <laughs> that are insular against yes. the gospel. And uh, those places represent some of the hardest places to see the gospel penetrate and to, to change. And at the same time, many Americans are completely unaware that uh, Israel is largely under-evangelized. The Middle East, even though we see incredible uh, movements of God and the Spirit moving and opening up uh, the hearts and minds, uh, some of the communities in populations in the whole Middle East are prevented from even having ever met a Christian or anything like that. Or if they did, they didn't know that because the Christians are are so uh, secret in their belief. Uh, so that's a huge challenge. Um, tell me about what it's like to bring multiple organizations together uh, around a task as big as, as bringing the gospel to all people uh, around the globe. Well, I think the single biggest challenge that we face isn't the unity among the organizations. When you look at ministries like World Mission and Bibles for the World and other organizations that are working to provide access to the gospel in those parts of the world, their ministries are all successful. They're all prospering in many respects. 
with one or two exceptions. And the biggest challenge that I think we face as an alliance is how do we reignite a passion for the Great Commission within the North American church? You know, back in the 1800s and the early 1900s, there were people like Amy Carmichael and Hudson Taylor and C.T. Studd and names that probably a lot of listeners haven't ever even heard of. And those were people that said, you know what? We are so convinced that the gospel needs to reach everyone that they were willing to pack their bags up in a coffin and move to places like India and Asia and Latin America and Africa and say, this is where we're going to live and die because the gospel's that important. Well, there's been a radical shift in that Mm -hmm. mentality within the North American church. There's been a lot written about this subject. I think one of them is, and you touched on it earlier, that when we look at the part of the world where Joshua Fund is active, so we look at the nation of Israel, and so we look at the Jewish people, and then we look at the surrounding nations, which, as we all know, are primarily of Islamic background, that we look at those two nations and see that they, um, in many respects, comprise most of those three billion people who haven't yet heard Hmm. the gospel. And so you look back at events, you know, like the tragedies of 9-11, and there was something that happened, I think, that that event catalyzed. And what happened was we ended up being at war with a worldview for more than 20 years where consciously or subconsciously the attitude of the North American church was, well, they're the bad guys and, and we don't care. And I think that was a big part of it. And I think the second part of it is when you look at the Jewish communities, particularly the Orthodox Jewish community, and then you look at the worldview of the nations that currently surround Israel, you're looking at two worldviews that are really opposed to the gospel. And to be quite honest, the North American church doesn't know how to solve that issue. And so we've kind of pushed it to the back burner. We don't pay much attention to it. And I kind of figure, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do. So to me, the mission of the Alliance is to try to raise not just awareness, but to move people on a scale of awareness to active engagement in doing whatever it is God's called them to do in reaching those people. Hmm. Boy, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you when you talk about how the the North American church has has kind of pushed uh, those difficult problems uh, to the background and uh, pushed themselves away from that because you know, frankly, none of us like to dwell on things that are that are hard or difficult for us to figure out, and uh, uh, and so the the inevitable result of that is, if that's too hard for people to think about, they won't think about it and they won't get engaged with it. And yet, uh, as you and I both know, this this part of the world, representing so many millions of people who have very little exposure or access to the gospel and, and very little hope, therefore, of salvation. That's a tragedy of uh, eternal proportions. And I think it should burden our hearts. I think I don't mind a little bit of people going, well, I, I haven't really thought about that. And I think there's some benefit of that. Uh, if we look at church history, you know, some of the great uh, revivals were started by people who had an overwhelming burden for the lost, uh, for, you know, a, a brokenness that, that was required to say, I have forgotten those that are perishing. I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been, um, you probably know, because this is probably your world. Uh, I think it was D.L. Moody who said, you know, some want to live within the sounds of a chapel bell. I would rather run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. And, you know, I think that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? 
That's exactly right. In fact, I, uh, I've often attributed that quote to C.T. Studd, one of the great, you know, Maybe older missionaries. But in either case, <laughs> the point is valid. And I heard another great quote the other day. I don't remember who said it, but he said, no one should hear the gospel twice if there are people who haven't heard the gospel once. And yet Blow the number of people yeah. who haven't heard the gospel once is increasing, particularly in that part of the world. In fact, let me set something in context for you. I read some data the other day on recent research that said, do you know that for every $110,000 a Christian in North America makes, $1.70 goes to reaching the unreached? Now think about that. So I was reading David Platt's book, uh, I think he said in Radical, yeah. that the Great mm-hmm. Commission is never going to be fulfilled until we as an American church decide to change the way we use our resources. And and that's just a simple reality. It's about as standard as, uh, and that's about as clear as you can make it, right? If we don't do something differently with our resources, the resources won't be there uh, for um, bringing the gospel to the unreached. Man, it's convicting. And yet, as you said, there have been times in American history and and in global history where uh, the church has felt convicted about the Great Commission, the Great Missionary Movements. Do you think we're close to that? Or are, are we feeling, you know, maybe... Uh, more discouraged at this time. What's your feeling on that? Well, it's a very interesting question because I, I, I'll confess to you, first of all, I'm a little bit of a data geek. So I, I do a <laughs> lot of research and study into this issue and and what's behind it, what are the challenges that we face. And I want to take the core of the issue that we're talking about today, particularly as it relates to the Middle East and and North Africa, the region where I think both of our organizations are really active because that's where a lot of unreached people are. But when I look at the data, it used to be that the United States, the North American church was aware of the issue and did something about it because the Great Commission was central to our belief system. But let me share with you some recent data, and this is going to be a little bit of a downer, but then I want to unpack it a little bit, okay? Okay. So in doing some recent research, I read a Pew report that said of self-identified Christians in today's world that only 17% can quote and explain the Great Commission, 17%. (laughs) Then when you look at younger Christians, say 35 years old and younger, that number drops to 10%. And so that's pretty bad news that even within the church, we're not talking about or applying the Great Commission. And then you take that a step further and you find that 40, now think about this, 47% of younger self-identified Christians believe that sharing their faith with someone of another worldview is actually offensive. So in other words, they have a lower view of scripture, which leads to what I think is probably the biggest contributing factor, the challenges that we face which is that 50% of those younger Christians say if their worldview and God's word come into conflict, they would defer to their worldview. Now, the reason I raise that data is I say that there's clearly within the church a diminishing view of the authority of God's word. So in answer to your question, do I think that we can course correct? I think the answer is yes. I think the Holy Spirit can move on us. But to me, where it's got to start, it's got to start with a reignition, if that's a word, reigniting of a passion for the authority of Scripture, because that's where it starts. When I believe that what Jesus said is important, and I believe that people are important to Jesus, then I'm willing to take more action. And that's where it's got to start. Now, on the surface, that may seem like a pretty overwhelming issue. And personally, I think it is. The data is very alarming to me. 
the flip side to it is that even now we're seeing it places like you know, Asbury Seminary and within churches around the country and at Dallas Seminary and so many other places, we're seeing a resurrection, no pun intended, of a passion to take the gospel where it's never been before. And, mm. you know, when when the time is right during our discussion, I want to raise some of the theological and biblical principles that I think yeah. undergird what I hope will eventually happen. Well, I'm, I'm excited to, to get you to that point. And I, I, I feel like what you just mentioned about the Word of God being central is so important to the Joshua Fund. You know, we do that, uh, the conference that we've mentioned on this podcast a number of times every year for pastors and ministry leaders uh, in Israel. Uh, we do one conference, uh, 350 to or so uh, ministry leaders come together, Israelis, their men and women working in the land, uh, and we simply, we call the conference Preach the Word. Because we simply want to give them some time out, some refreshment, rejuvenation, but also to reorient them to the Word of God. Because there's so many other distractions, especially coming out of the Western Church. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing in Israel, uh, in the West Bank, for uh, Palestinian pastors and church leaders. We it's a smaller number, but about 160, 170 uh, leaders come to that conference every year. And you know, the irony is, you know, when you talk about, you know. Uh, uh, an Amy Carmichael or a C.T. Studd or, or one of these great missionaries from the past, they literally did have to pack their belongings in a coffin because they knew that they were signing up for life. They were doing something that was almost irrevocable in terms of their their choices. They made that call because they were so compelled by the need of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the unreached for their desire to bring the gospel to them. But the irony is, we're not doing it, and it's so much easier for us to do so many of those things. If we if we just took the smallest steps to help bring uh, people into an awareness of the gospel around the world, we could do it from the comfort of our own of our own communities in some cases. So maybe talk a little bit about some of those things that that you see, some of the ways that we can uh, operate, uh, and maybe some of the members of the alliance are working to operate against some of these trends uh, that are sobering and challenging. Yeah, I, I think you you raised a good point when you talked about the era in which we live, where technological opportunity has never been greater, and so mm. the need for us to pack up our things in a coffin is no longer necessary. Now we we can leverage things like social media, the internet. I mean, and there are limitations. There are parts of the world that still regulate what can be shown on the internet, and I think sure. the point is that if we're creative and we're willing to allocate our resources, the technology and the backbone to be able to reach these people groups exists. Not everybody mm. is called to go. Not everybody is called to give. But I am convinced that everybody has a role to play in the Great Commission. So I look at some of our members. In fact, I'm really fascinated and enamored with, with one of them called Door International because not only are people ignorant to the cause of the unreached, but one of the things that Door International realized is that one of the largest unreached people groups in the world is the deaf community. And nobody mm. would ever think about that. There are dozens of forms of sign language. And so here they are innovating in the way that they can teach sign language universally to unify the deaf community, regardless of what culture they come from. And the gospel is exploding within that community because finally they realize that there are people that care about them. So that's kind wow. of one example of people 
leveraging technology to take the gospel to a people group we never even think about. Steve, I got to tell you, that is encouraging, and that's really a, a very exciting. We, we've got to take a quick break right now, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of those stories from some of the partners in the Alliance for the Unreached that are making a massive difference in some of those hidden communities. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in John, chapter 4, verse 35. Do you not say, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white for harvest. And our prayer requests today are, number one, that people around North America and the rest of the world would be mobilized and motivated to pray for and give to the Great Commission, especially in the epicenter. And second, that men and women throughout the Middle East and Israel would be challenged by the gospel, would be given the opportunity to hear the message of Jesus, Yeshua, Isa, in their language, in a way that they can understand in the days ahead. Well, Steve, uh, we're back, and I'm just blown away by what you just shared about Door International and uh, the deaf community and doing creative things. What are some of the other creative stories from members of the Alliance? Because I'm sure you you probably have a front row seat to some of the most innovative <laughs> strategies today in, in, in the Great Commission. Well, I want to tell you one um, that's always moved on my heart. In fact, I could tell you hours worth that have moved on my heart, but I'll tell you one or two that I think are particularly powerful. Um, I was told by a missionary friend of mine who was working in an unreached part of Northern Thailand. Now that's kind of outside the scope of, I know where Joshua Fund works, but but the story is applicable because the principles sure. are working universally. And um, the particular ministry was doing saturation radio planting in areas that had never heard the gospel. So they would go in, they would set up a Christian radio station. And so in this particular part of Northern Thailand, there was a lady and she was in her fifties. She was desperate. She had been abandoned by her children, abandoned by her husband. They don't have social security there and SSI and those kinds of things. And she reached a point of desperation where she said, I'm going to take my own life. And so she was pretty clever in the way she did it. She took a rope that she was going to use. I won't be graphic, but she took a rope that she was going to use out into a remote forest, but she also took with her a radio. 
And you go, well, that's a really weird combination, which it is. But the reason she took the radio is that when she decided to take her life, she was going to turn the radio on so that somebody would hear and then be able to give her a proper burial. So here she is. She's got the whole setup done. You can picture it in your mind. And the last step to that is she pushes the on button on the radio. Well, guess what she hears? She hears a pastor from a local radio station saying, my friends, if you're listening today, I want you to know that if you're hopeless, there is hope. And it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he went on to say, you know, some of you are so desperate, you may be thinking about taking your own life. But I want to tell you that Christ has new life for you. So it's like he was divinely talking to her. And so she listened to this. She fell on her knees. She started to cry. And she literally took the radio and the rope. And she walked hours to find the station that was broadcasting. She knocks on the door and says to the pastor who's hosting the radio show, I was going to kill myself. I heard your show. Tell me who God is. Well, my missionary buddy, he laid a photograph in front of us. And the photograph was her in a swimming pool surrounded by smiling people. She was being baptized. And she had now been baptized into that church. I mean, that that shows you about how you you leverage technology that one one guy in one radio who himself heard Mm -hmm. the gospel cared enough to mm-hmm. broadcast to it. And that lady's now alive today. And wow. so, wow. I mean, that shows the power of yeah. what happens when a person says, I'm going to do what God's told me to do. Yeah. And, you know, Steve, I, 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 I'm so encouraged by that because it was a, uh, I, I don't know about that pastor. I don't know the pastor who was on the radio and maybe he woke up that day feeling discouraged. Maybe he felt like, I don't know if anybody ever hears these programs. Uh, you know, we've all had those days in, in ministry and, God used it. And there may be someone out there even listening to this podcast who's given money for years maybe to different ministries and wondered, did, did, my, did my resources, uh, my $25, my, you know, my widows might make a difference? And when you think about it, somebody somewhere invested in a radio station, in a ministry to be able to do that. So it's not that every time we step forward that we immediately get uh, gratification. But when we hear a story like that, uh, we are deeply, deeply encouraged because what is it, the scripture says, you know, uh, you don't your labor is not in vain. Right. Your, your investment is not in vain. And God always accomplishes what he intends for uh, his purposes in those in those investments of time and treasure. You know, we have partners in Israel who are uh, literally also uh, using technology to reach into another uh, unreached, if you will, community, the ultra-Orthodox community, the Hebrew-speaking community uh, that, uh, that, as we mentioned, you know, sometimes just lives within a few miles of, uh, of Calvary or the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, all those beautiful sites and, and uh, places in Israel. Uh, one of our partners uh, does video work uh, with Orthodox rabbis and Orthodox believers sitting in a chair much like uh, the I Am Second videos that many people have have seen uh, done here in in the United States. But these former Orthodox Jewish people give their testimony of coming to know Yeshua as their Messiah. And uh, the fascinating thing is that there are about 12 million Hebrew speakers in Israel. And these videos have been seen by over 40 million worldwide. (laughs) So these videos are making a huge impact because I I can tell you this, that there is a fascination 
just in human life, you know, when something has prevented people from hearing about Jesus in Orthodox communities, there's an interest, there's a curiosity that's piqued by that. And, uh, and we're excited to be part of the Alliance for the Unreached, because those are the kinds of communities that we want to see uh, reached uh, with the good news of Jesus as Messiah and uh, as the, 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 the beautiful Savior of all people, but certainly of the, the people of Israel and uh, the neighboring countries. Tell us some more, Steve. I mean, this is this is exciting. So you said there's over 70 organizations. And, and yeah. as I said, we're one of them, but uh, just one of them. So uh, tell me some more stories from uh, some of those, those really cool uh, organizations that we uh, collaborate with through you. Well, I, w- I want to piggyback first on something that you said, because I think you hit the nail on the head that when you talk about Jewish background believers or Muslim background believers, I don't know that there are believers that are more on fire than them because they've come out of a level of commitment to a belief system and a worldview that on the one hand has its roots in scripture, but on the other hand has kind of either not completed or deviated from those principles. And so the joy, and you know it firsthand, of seeing someone from the Jewish faith or seeing someone from the Muslim faith come to the knowledge of Christ, it's they're electric, they're unstoppable. And, and I want to share with you, and I, I, unfortunately I can't go into details because it's very clandestine, but I want to share with you a story of of an individual who was um, deployed in the military to Afghanistan. And when he got out of the military, he was committed to sharing the gospel with those people that he had been fighting on, you know, multiple tours. And very long story short, because I can't go into the detail. The next picture I saw of him was meeting with a number of imams around a carpet, sharing the gospel with them. And they said to him, you know, and again, long story short, they said to him, you have shown us the truth of the run true God. We were willing to die for a false God. Now that we know the true God, we will go anywhere that you want us to go to share the truth of who Jesus is. And, you know, so those are the ways, you know, those are the ways that God is moving around the world. And, you know, here it's a New Testament principle. It is a New Testament principle of disciples making disciples. And I want to share with you one of the most dramatic examples because I have a personal connection to this one. I, I have a dear friend named John Podite. Um, oh, I know John. Yes. Uh, you, you, you know John well. Yeah, you Bible's probably know the his world. story. Yeah. That's right. And so John comes from India and he comes from a part of Northern India. And now he's very Americanized and lives and works here in the United States. Two generations ago, John's tribe was a tribe of headhunters and you know, we, we look at those in horror films, but that's a real thing. You know, they really are, they really were headhunters. And so they took great pride in being the most violent dominant force in that part of India for generations. And there was one missionary who said, you know what may cost me my head, but I'm going in and I'm going to take Jesus to those people. And so John's grandfather trusted Christ. He was a leader in the community John's father trusted Christ, moved to the U.S. and started Bibles for the World. And today, John, the John Podite that you and I know, is the president of that organization. So in two generations, they've gone from being hunters of heads to fishers of men, if I can use that. Hey, I love it. That I love it. That's great. But, that'll preach, it, brother. That'll <laughs> preach. And, and those are the kinds of things that we see all over the world. The problem is we could multiply those efforts if we could reignite a passion for the Great Commission 
within the North American church. And that's the burden. Yeah. yeah. Well, we share um, a similar burden that way about igniting uh, the North American church and, and really the church globally to be concerned for us, the, the Middle East region in general, but, you know, particularly the Israeli uh, right. Jewish people. Uh, and, you know, and the fact of the matter is it's, it's awakening uh, what I consider to be the natural affection of Americans for the needs of the world. I mean, Americans are the most generous and yes. uh, uh, understanding people when they are brought into an awareness of what the needs are. And, and yet, you know, we share the same conviction that, that in some ways this, this wonderful church, this amazing testimony to God's faithfulness to a people in this country is asleep. And it's asleep when it comes to, you know, the, the, the Great Commission. It's asleep when it comes to, to bringing uh, hope for Israel and hope for the Middle East through Jesus. And um, we need to wake it. We need to, to create something that will uh, do that. Tell me a little bit, in, you know, in the, in the remaining section that we have here uh, for our time together, I'd love for you to talk about the uh, A Third of Us campaign and what the Alliance for the Unreached is doing through all of the partner organizations to bring you know, some of that awakening to the American yeah. church. Well, the A Third of Us campaign was really, it was intended to create awareness in terms that people could get their arms around. So in fact, it's interesting that in today's world, particularly here in North America, because of our lack of understanding about who, who the unreached are, they think, well, the unreached or my neighbor next door who's not a Christian or the lady who walks the dog past my house. And they may not be a Christian, but that doesn't mean they don't have access to the gospel. When we yeah. talk about unreached people groups, we're talking about people who have little, if any, access to anything Christian, which means Bible translations, churches, believers, missionaries, etc. You know, like when, when I think about Israel and the part of the world where you're working, it's very difficult for the Bible to penetrate that part of the world because people have a very strong belief system. And mm -hmm. the same is true with the areas that surround Israel. So it poses some unique challenges. But we as an alliance are trying to bring awareness, and I don't want to stop at awareness. We're trying to bring awareness that leads to engagement and advocacy for all of the organizations that are trying to reach the unreached. So I guess the way I would frame it is to say the ministries that are members are the ones that are focused on the field. They're the ones mm -hmm. that are doing the, the work like you guys are in, in Israel and the greater Middle East. Mm -hmm. The Alliance wants to be the megaphone on behalf of those ministries to the North American church that says, folks, it's time for us to declare from the rooftops that the unreached matter to God and therefore they matter to us. So let me give you some of the spiritual and biblical background for why we're so committed to that. And let me start with the region of the world where Joshua Fund is so active. It goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant where God said, those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. There's a biblical mm -hmm. precedent that through Abraham, all people would be blessed, starting with his own people. And that means that we have a divine responsibility to present Yeshua to those who know that one day their Messiah will be coming. In the Arabic culture, it's about convincing them that their prophet Isa, as he's referred to in the Quran, is the biblical Jesus and explain to them who he is and what he's done for them. So we're trying to educate the North American church on the nuances of the issue so that in the end they go, you know what, I do have a role to play. There is something that I can do, and that's to come alongside the member organizations. It's, it's that old saying about, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. 
And that really mm-hmm. is our objective. And there's two things that we do or that we have done that I think are really important to those efforts. The first one is what I call the manifesto for the unreached. And it can be found on our website at allianceforthunreached.org. And the manifesto is simply a, a series of seven or eight declarations that should define the life of a believer that say, these are the things that we will do or support to reach those who've never heard the gospel. The second thing that we do is coming up here pretty soon. It's called the International Day for the Unreached. And the International Day for the Unreached, we typically hold it on Pentecost Sunday, although this year, that's Memorial Sunday, so <laughs> Memorial Weekend, so it didn't work out too good. But this year on May 21st, we're going to be hosting the International Day for the Unreached, which is an invitation to churches all over the country to raise the issue of the unreached to their own congregations and then challenge them, first of all, to pray, because we know that mm-hmm. any effective ministry has got to start on its knees. Then to ask God, what is it you want me to do? Is it to give? Mm-hmm. Is it to go? Is it to advocate? Is it, what is it, Lord, because you have a role for me? And so when we get into the biblical precedent, I'm kind of of the opinion that when someone's giving you their last words, you pay attention to them, right? They're telling you the most (laughs) important thing. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said two things. He said, the gospel will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. But he also warned us that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most would grow cold. The second thing he told us in Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. And I love to ask people, quote it for me, because they always say what we always hear, go therefore and make disciples. But that's not how it starts. It starts with all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And then the last one is Acts 1.8, where he says, we often say, well, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, your part of the world. Mm -hmm. But again, that's not how it starts. He says, the spirit will come upon you then you will be my witnesses. And so I think part of the issue is we operate in our own power, which means we don't do anything, or we don't fully understand what it means when Jesus said, or maybe we don't appreciate, you have a role in taking the gospel to the world. Wow. That's inspirational. And so that day, the the day of prayer for the unreached is going to be May 21st, 2023, this year. Uh, and uh, it's. Uh, do you have tools, or what do you have available for do. anybody um, listening to maybe get get a hold of that? Yeah, this year it, it's pretty exciting. We're doing it a couple of different ways. The first thing we're doing is that we're going to be doing a broadcast over Moody Radio on the twentieth. Um, so we're going to be Wonderful. broadcasting to the entire national network to try and raise awareness, and we're actually going to honor that entire week as the week uh, of the unreached, leading up to Sunday the twenty whatever the twenty eighth that would be twenty first. Yeah, oh, the 21st, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So we have a number of resources available at allianceforthunreached.org where they can download what we call the Great Commission Action Guide. They can download the Manifesto for the Unreached. They can view and link to every member of the Alliance. They can participate in a third of the Including the Joshua Fund. <laughs> including That's the right. Joshua Fund, absolutely. Right. So all of our members are represented on that site. And the encouragement is we don't represent one ministry. We represent all 70. And so what we want people to do is to prayerfully ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do and who do you want me to do it with? And we're trying to, I hate to use this analogy, but we're trying to be matchmakers. So we want to connect the people that are doing the work in the field with the people who say, I have a role to play, and therefore see the Great Commission activity 
increase overall. That's awesome. Well, the old Broadway play Fiddler on the Roof has that song, Matchmaker. (laughs) So we could easily close our podcast with that song uh, as you're making that match. But that is so critically important for those of us listening here in the United States and other parts of North America and other parts of the English speaking world, you know, to listen to what God is doing. And, and to you, you said it, you know, so importantly that it's, it's about uh, learning and praying and getting involved and doing that. And that's, that really lines up with what we do uh, at the Joshua Fund in terms of learning. We want people to learn about what God is, is doing. And, and part of this, this being involved to reach the unreached is, is learning about God's heart and God's plan for the lost. Then it's uh, learning, praying, committing time and energy to pray for the unreached and to pray for these places around the world where the gospel hasn't penetrated. To give and, as we like to say, to go. Uh, Where God gives the opportunity for people to put it on their heart to go and to make a difference uh, for the Great Commission and uh, the kingdom. Well, this is really exciting, Steve, and I know that we'll have uh, all of the uh, links to uh, what you just talked about in terms of those signups and various other things that people can download and everything in our in our show notes and and uh, all of that and um, letting our listeners know that Joel will be back with us on a future podcast. He's writing right now, so uh, we're uh, we're always glad when Joel's writing because that means yeah, you, whatever uh, Joel fresh. writes, I read, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and we're glad uh, he's doing that right now. But Steve, let me just uh, ask you to say. Is there anything else that that, uh, our listeners should know about what the Alliance for the Unreached is doing and and how they can be more involved in uh, helping mobilize uh, people around for the Great Commission? Yeah, I just want to close by reinforcing something I said earlier to make it crystal clear. Not everybody is called to do everything, but everybody is called to do something. And there's Mm -hmm. not one believer in North America that can't make their voice heard to make his name known. And I think that's the principle that I want to leave us with is you can make your voice heard so that his name is made known. The fact that 3 billion people have never heard the gospel is unacceptable in today's world. And we have a role to play in correcting that. And that's what the purpose of the Alliance is, is to get us together on the same page declaring the same message to see the gospel reached around the entire world. Wow. Amen. I can't add anything to that. Uh, Steve Johnson, thank you so much for your time. And thanks for sharing with us uh, your passion and your heart and uh, so much encouragement around this uh, mobilization uh, on behalf of the unreached around the world. So thanks so much for your time. Carl, an honor to be on the show. Blessings on you. It's great. And to to all of you listening, if you would like to learn more about what God is doing around the world, uh, but certainly in the epicenter uh, through the Joshua Fund and through some of our partner organizations as well, head on over to thejoshuafund.com and sign up for our newsletter. Through those emails, you'll hear encouraging stories of life change that will surely bless you. If you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, you can also find it on our website, joshuafund.com. And if you have a question or want some answer to a question for Joel or or any one of our guests, please send us that information on the website. We make this podcast all about what you want to hear about, and uh, and we're incredibly blessed uh, when you do that. Also, as we've mentioned, anything you've heard on this program about the Alliance for the Unreached or any of the work that Steve and his team are, are doing to mobilize people for the Great Commission, you can get that information right in our show notes on this site. Uh, we look forward to sharing with you again in the future. And on behalf of Joel Rosenberg, uh, the rest of the Joshua Fund team, and all of our partners around the world, 
God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.